1: Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, 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 Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Strength Network. It's September 4th, 2022. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. The Steelers open the season with a bye as do the other 31 teams in the NFL. So this gives us a little a little breathing room to sort of set up the season which I guess we've been doing but really to set up next week. We start out with a uh, a real challenge against the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: I've had too much breathing room. What what kind of torture is this, dad? Why would they why would they do this to us? You wait the entire season, preseason starts and I don't know if anybody else shares this experience. Once preseason starts, I remember that there's only three games this year in the preseason. I'm thinking, hell yeah, we're even closer to football than I thought we were. We finished the three games. First one, greatest preseason game of all time. Second two, absolutely trash experiences. And I think, all right, let's go play the Bengals. And they give this this stupid bye. It's brutal. I don't like it.
2: I don't know. What I would really like to know is whether the the players appreciate it or not.
1: I'm sure they'll take any buy they can get. I I would think so. And the Steelers camp under Tomlin and uh, Cowart, historically physical. Obviously, you're talking talking grit. You're talking about Pittsburgh. You're talking about steel men. And Sims always mentions, uh, Chris Sims on his show, that uh, whenever he makes training camp tours, when he goes to other uh, multiple NFL teams' training camps – Everybody ends up asking about the Steelers. Like, were they hitting? How much were they hitting? Because it's known around the league that they're very physical during training camp. Will that actually show in the regular season? I don't know. Maybe Tomlin's beating them to death because we're going to look at some of the rushing stats against the – the Cincinnati Bengals or um, lack there of run defense against the Bengals and every other team uh, from last year. But uh, so I don't know how much that physicality is working or not. It better pay off this year, but I'm sure that they appreciate the buy even if it is dog crap. But the NFL is moving towards that 18 game season. That was always going to be in the cards before the big concussion movie came out and and all that stuff kind of went down. So it, it sort of uh, put the effort to add games on the back burner for a while, but now that they got 17, Basically, the strong rumor is that it's going to be guaranteed to head to 18, which would allow them to remove another preseason game. And then at that point, what I've heard is it's supposed to be two preseason games, and then the the Super Bowl actually gets moved up, moved earlier in the year, so that it would fall on President's Day weekend, so that the good American people, nay, the people of the world, would have the day off from work the next day, which would be unbelievable. And obviously, you can make a a bigger uh, Super Bowl weekend for the NFL, so they can make more money. So when I heard that, I figured, well, Aren't they going to move the season up this year? But no, there's just this little placeholder thing.
2: Well, before we get started and really dive into the Steelers, let us note a an historic win for Pitt. Historic because it's been so long yeah. since they played the backyard brawl. Pitt overcomes, and I would say overcame West Virginia, thirty-eight to thirty-one in a, a wild game, especially at the end. Did you did you watch yeah. it or watch the highlights?
1: No, I was watching highlights kind of as it was going on because people were blowing up my phone and you're seeing it on Twitter and then the next day it's all over the TV. I was working out in the gym and they have ESPN on the TV and it's just replaying that the, the big plays from that pit game over and over. And it's college football, whatever. But that was awesome. That was the most rocking I have ever seen Heinz Field. The, the last time I can remember it being that intense would be like Troy's pick six to go to the Super Bowl. And I'm sure there was a game or two in between them, generally going to be a playoff game uh, where it was raucous, but there were rumors spread by ESPN, uh, which Narduzzi, how do you say his name, the coach? He he was angry in the post-game conference that ESPN was spreading these rumors that the crowd was going to be mostly West Virginia fans. It was not, although there were a lot of West Virginia fans, but it was packed out with blue and yellow, best colors in college football, and... Uh, just such a loud crowd, so raucous. None of these kids on the team or in the stands have that much of a rivalry with, with West Virginia, right? Because it hasn't happened forever. But you know it's baked in early that this is a huge rivalry. And so ended up being a great game, came down to the wire. But what I just think was so cool is like that was the most hype I've seen Heinz Field for a Steelers or Pitt game in a long time. And it was cool to finally see Pitt back in national news for football. Obviously, they, they've come up in the past few years, like the Kenny Pickett tenure was great, and it sort of gained them some respect. They sort of became that team. I was like, ah, oh, they're going to beat Clemson once every two years. They're, they're pesky. But last night, it actually, or this past weekend, it actually seemed like Pittsburgh and West Virginia were exciting again. And it did take me back to the, the old conferences when you actually had the Big East and you had these rivalries. And I was talking about it with a buddy last night. Two things can be true at once here, right? on one hand, it is such a bummer that these conferences are disintegrating and the the transfer transfer portal and all the things uh, that are deemed as old men yelling at cloud, like, hey, you just gotta adjust with the times. No, it's making it less competitive. It's making the only important schools are are Georgia and Alabama. Nobody cares about the rest of them because they're all boring and it does suck. And then the other thing that can be true at the same time is, well, yeah, there's been a lot of people getting extremely rich off of the college athletes, so the, the argument of not paying them, I, I can't take seriously unless other people don't get rich off it. Okay, well, then don't pay the coaches either. Like, what are we doing here? Or, or pay them like a regular salary or have a cap on that. But so I think that unfortunately, the evolution of college football is resulting in us losing what Pitt and West Virginia showed us we could have, where college football will be interesting outside of Alabama and Clemson and Georgia. Well,
2: it's funny you should say that. I mean, uh, Steelers having lost Jordan Addison to USC. Yeah, USC. And then, was mm-hmm. did he Score come in, him. did Keaton um, Slovis come in a Keaton trade? Slovis.
1: <laughs> right? I know. Well, he's playing with uh, Caleb Williams. Is that the quarterback's name? He went from Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley to USC. So, um, Addison, you know, going from Kenny Pickett to, to – uh, a likely sort of like top five overall quarterback pick. I understand it for his career, but yeah, you're right. It sucks. Like uh, there's a pit guy. We lost him.
2: It does suck, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what um, Steelers can do with um, Slovis. Yeah. It'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. the Steelers might take Slovis too. You know, just a pit, Uh, just a pit train of backup quarterbacks for years. But yeah, anyways, that was just, it was really cool to see exciting Pittsburgh football that way. And a good way to sort of tie tide us over until the Steelers play the Bengals. So the Steelers are not
2: on a good track trail with, or projection with the the Bengals. They in game one last year was a 24 to 10 loss. The Bengals gaining 96 yards, which I'd take again, if we had the chance, because in game two, we were utterly pasted 41 to 10 and gave up 198 rushing yards. And I, I seem to remember burying my face in my hands in that game.
1: Oh, it's terrible. Here's the thing. Okay. So there are always teams that have the matchup on the other team. Obviously the Steelers couldn't beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, just like ever. It happened like twice in 10 years and they just had their number. And it it seems like, well, you can't compare to the Patriots. The Patriots beat everybody. Uh, They kind of had the Steelers number more than other teams did. Likewise, like, the Steelers were really good against Peyton Manning and the Colts. The Steelers have—they uh, hist- were great against the Bengals, where like the Bengals had better records and they had better teams in the Vontae's perfect era, but they can never beat the Steelers. The Chiefs, no matter how good the, the Chiefs were, until they got Mahomes, Steelers would always beat them. Unfortunately, I think we are heading into an issue with the Joe Burrow Bengals, where they might just have the Steelers' number because we've said this on the podcast a lot over. My- not just Mike Tomlin's tenure, but the end of the coward tenure too, the the only thing that should scare Steelers fans is um, opponents with great traditional drop back passing games. So like whenever they played Drew Brees, whenever they played Tom Brady, those are the team, uh, of course, we know those are legendary quarterbacks, but those are the teams that really give them trouble. When they have explosive playmakers that can get down the field, those drop-back passing games give the Steelers trouble because the Steelers historically are so reliant on zone defenses. And those can be picked apart. And uh, also, since Ike Taylor left, where he had a great prime that was kind of a short-lived prime where he was really a, a lockdown corner, but they, the Steelers also never really have a lockdown corner. Always have great safeties. but So you combine that zone defense with out lockdown corners. Those drop-back pass games are difficult for the Steelers. So I think that they're really lucky that they're playing the Bengals in the first game of the season this year because I think the Steelers have a lot more time to prepare for it and the Bengals have less time to gel, especially with Joe Burrow uh, j- losing his appendix, which is also scary because I think when Ben lost his appendix, he won he won the Super Bowl that year. So what are you going to do? But, or at least went to it. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is Steelers should be nervous for these matchups against the Bengals, and I'm... Uh, a little scared that a lot of those games are going to look similar where the Bengals are just going to jump up on them. But I do think that if you remember last year, Steelers playing the Bills in the first game. Good drop, drop back passing game, but more kind of uh, structured around just a physical freak quarterback. And they only had really one weapon, Stephon Diggs, whereas the, the Bengals have... I mean, the Steelers don't even have a, a corner who can match up with their number two receiver, Higgins, let alone Jamar Chase, right? But if you look back, how well the Steelers did in that first game versus um, the Bills and the fact that there's no Sean Payton or Josh McDaniels or Andy Reid, these super experienced offensive coordinators on the other side, I think that that bodes well for the Steelers in terms of schedule luck.
2: You're kind of reaching and defeating your own argument there, aren't you? (laughs) Pointing out all the weapons he has. You know what? So I was just looking at...
1: That's what I mean. Yeah. So the
2: spread is 6.5 and and the over and under is 44.5. I'm taking that over on that because I think the Bengals are going to score 35 points. The question is whether Boz can have more than three field goals, yeah. right? Or three yeah, field yeah, goals.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying is I think when they play later in the season, the, and if the Bengals are healthy, hopefully the Steelers are too, but I think that the Bengals are putting 35 on the Steelers, no problem. But the Bengals, who are my Super Bowl pick, I, I just think that they're such a young team. They re- not only did they return everybody, but they added, they had the worst offensive line in the league pretty much. And they, besides the one that we have, but, and they added linemen. So I do think in week one, since Burrow missed training camp and the line is relatively new, that is a chance for the Steelers to strike um, and at least make it closer. Like if I had to predict this game, I was thinking about this. I almost think that it could be like a 24, 17 game with the Bengals winning uh, just because of those new moving pieces and Mike Tomlin generally doing pretty well uh, the first week of the season with these defensive game plans while people are healthy. And I think Cam and TJ will be able to, to get pressure kind of on their own, but it, it's weird with Highsmith not having played, you know, in the preseason that way. But I think that this is the time when the Steelers, the Steelers would rather play them now than later. Cause later forget it. But I also think in terms of the Steelers scoring points, I don't think this offensive line thing is going to magically look good the first week of the season against one of the most complicated and weird defenses and creative defenses in the whole NFL. I think that Steelers are going to give up you know, five or six acts on their don't
2: own. All those factors line up to Joe Mixon getting 150 yards on the ground. I mean, we didn't see anything in the preseason that gives us comfort as, as Mike Tomlin would say that we're going to be able to plug up any kind of run
1: offense The Bengals, I I just think you're talking about Joe Mixon. I mean, they have an amazing running back. I just think that they could have a Kansas City Chiefs type season, like the first Mahomes season, where it's like, how do they have this many good players with that good quarterback? So pick your poison. I don't know with the run defense. That's the big question of the offseason. That's what you and I have been talking about, trying to remind people about, like, hey, I know the Steelers' defense has incredible top-end talent, with the three superstars on there and Miles Jack looking good, that's great. But they've been getting slaughtered in the run game for two years and they lost, you know, to it. And hopefully all Alu plays, but he's been in and out. So I have no idea. All I know is that it's gonna be a big deal. And those stats that you read to me about the Bengals last meeting, those are definitely being read to the Steelers and we know how much they prioritize not getting run all over. And I think they were a little banged up by that point in the season. So I think this it's such a scary game but I think the Steelers will sort of surprise us with how well they can hang in there defensively maybe because Cincinnati's still getting the quarterback and the offensive line sort of acclimated.
2: If you close your eyes and tap your heels together 3 times, could you imagine us scoring points? No. <laughs> no, go on. I was looking at the matchups, you know, for for the receivers against their uh, their cornerbacks and we'll be uh, you could see Pickens against the silver bullet being one of those uh, areas of focus yeah. but it is it, it is a fact that Mitch will need time to let uh, pickens get more than 10 yards down the field I guess
1: I think the same thing that I said about the Steelers' corners not even being able to cover the second receiver on the Bengals, it goes true for the for The, the Bengals don't have anybody who can cover Deontay, let alone Pickens or, or Claypool, you know? So the Steelers will have opportunities to move the ball downfield and make big plays, and I'd be shocked if they don't hit one or two like 30, 40-yard passes because Mitch was aggressive throwing the ball down the field during the preseason, and we saw he was pretty accurate when he was doing it. Um so there is part of me that thinks the Steelers could put up some points that way. I just think, and I'm—I guarantee you—with all those stars, like there's going to be some big plays for the Steelers, and hopefully Mitch just goes into broken play scramble mode a little bit, and that's how they can create them. But so there is part of me that thinks the Steelers could actually score well. But just the combination of how unbelievably bad the offensive line is, number one, and then that kind of resulting in Mitch never really playing for the Steelers, never playing with these receivers for any like legitimate amount of time and then having to go against a very complicated defense in the first week. I think that that's like you could see a lot of big plays from the Steelers and then have drives sort of sputter.
2: We could think of a million reasons that we're going to lose and and lose bad. I could also make I mean you're making Somewhat the same argument you as you did about the Bengals, right? It's the first game and, and Mitch still hasn't settled in. what we saw from Mitch was was pretty solid though. I mean, and I and I wonder yeah. how sophisticated the defense could be in game one and maybe it'll actually be something that trips them up. I'm just looking at Deontay, uh, Claypool, Pickens, Friarmouth and Najee, right? I mean, they oh, yeah. he, he can be throwing Definitely. you know. I'm worried that it'll become a dink and dunk game because he doesn't have enough time, but he his scrambling ability just seems to me is going to allow more opportunity to go downfield the way you said. So that that's my hope in this yeah. game that, you know, they're going to score 35 points. We need to score, you know, we need to score a lot. And that, that's really more the hope than, than us bottling them up, you know, within a manageable margin.
1: No, that's my thought. That's my thought is that. Offenses can take longer to, to gel. So you're saying, oh, people are, Rusty on either side. Well, what are we scared about with the Bengals? Their offense is terrifying. And then the Steelers' offensive line just prohibiting them from doing things. But I'm with you. Like, the star power on the Steelers is is just too ridiculous. And I'm actually – I'll be very pissed if they don't go down the field. I'll be shocked if they don't just because I feel like when Mitch was in there in the preseason, they were throwing the ball down the field constantly. And they were trying to. And I'm sure that's some some of Canada and some of Mitch, but – I do think that they will make some plays down the field. I don't care if the percentages aren't that high. Um, you know, they're, they're not. we're not – there's just that star power. It's the theme of the Steelers' season. Like, the star power is so legitimate. They don't have people who can cover the Steelers' receivers. Mitch hopefully can improvise and, and push the ball downfield. I think that they will do that. And I – that's why I'm saying I'm trying to make a, a, an educated prediction here. I don't think the Bengals are going to score 35 points in the first game here. I think that you can book it, guarantee they're scoring 35 the second time the Steelers play. Um, and I'll eat my words if that's not the case, but I think the Steelers will be ready having so much time to prepare for them and getting their like, getting their asses beat so bad last season. I'm sure it's a massive priority this you year. Mentioned you mentioned know? Canada. What
2: do you think the propensity will be to run the, quote-unquote, Canada offense less or more because of this offensive line and the defense we're facing?
1: I think we still don't know what the quote unquote Canada offense is because of the restrictions, you know, Ben had for sure, but even if you look at the play sequencing from last year, there's not great rhyme or reason to a lot of that. I absolutely guarantee you we're going to see a second and 10 run up the middle and we're going to see three or four of them. That's Matt Canada, you know. So I I don't know what he's going to do. All I know is that and also secondarily, I still don't have a single example of one successful NFL offensive coordinator in the past like 10 years who came from college. The, all the, the college guys, sometimes the first few weeks work well and then they sputter out. All the good offensive coordinators in the NFL at 24, 25 years old were quality control assistants in the NFL and they worked at the NFL ladder in particular, You know, generally because a family member worked in there whatever they got them in. So that's my worry about Canada. Is like, it's never been done before, but I don't have anything to go off of. Um, and uh, I'll be excited to see what he does. But I guess to answer the question, I, I'm pretty confident that they're going to go down the field based on what we saw from Mitch's drives in the preseason.
2: I mean, do you think with Clay, like the Claypool will open up in the slot and, there'll be a, and he'll be the recipient of some, yeah. some sweeps and, and so forth? Or do you think that there won't be enough time for that to materialize?
1: I think that that's really how they should go into the game is being like we need to take some deep shots, but we need to get Claypool the ball catch and run, so that Mitch can get the ball out of his hands. It's simple, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It is simple. Look, terrible offensive line. We got to get rid of the ball quick. Oh man, we got a couple. We got a bunch of guys who can catch the ball short and run with it. So let's do that, like they tried to do the last year. But you do have to open them up by throwing the ball deep and like down the middle of the field, not the old man Ben perfunctory. I'll just kind of throw it down the sideline and it'll be, you know, three yards out of bounds or maybe my guy will make a great catch. They'll do some of those too. Cause I feel like Mitch threw a bunch of those up, but uh, yeah, you're going to have to catch and run a lot. You got to be scared for Najee, his ability to actually get, any crease of daylight on the run game, and it's going to get called back by holding. We know that. Let's just prepare ourselves, but give the offensive line some time. They're they're new as well, so they should get a little better as time goes on I think it's healthy.
2: I take some comfort with uh, Claypool being in the slot and Friarmouth. You know, if you're if, if you're talking Great about team, a focus on the field, I just wonder if Claypool is going to be able to back up his uh, his assertion that he's a top top three wide receiver.
1: <laughs> man, just. Give him the ball short and let him run. That's where he's pretty incredible. So hopefully we see some of that. And I'd be shocked if you don't see a Deontay and a Pickens uh, long catch.
2: So that's why you play the game. We can conjecture all we want, but that's what we've seen. That's what we see from the roster. That's what we've seen from the preseason. And hopefully not everything's been unveiled. And they actually have a gold-plated offensive line that they just didn't want to show anybody until next week. Hey, speaking of top-ranked players or not top-ranked players, did you see this story about Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, this sort of move or this thought that he could come to the Steelers and we should have pursued him?
1: So you can't get me started here. I was talking to our friend David on the phone the other day, and I, I went for way too long this. Jimmy Garoppolo, without a doubt to me, is – by a wide margin, the number one most overrated player in the NFL. And I know it's always oh, not a star. How could he be overrated? He's overrated because people think he's a starting quarterback, and he's not. I know people are going to get mad at me for that, but I'm like, look, he's the lowest end, one of the lowest end starting quarterbacks. And you could point to a couple other guys who are worse than him that start. And my argument will be they're not starting quarterbacks. They're just, Jared Goff is just starting because they don't have anyone better than them. Their quarterbacks are just absolutely horrible. And Jimmy Garoppolo, if you can't win the Super Bowl with a guy, he's not a, if there's a 0% chance you win a Super Bowl with a guy, which the chances are low to me with Jimmy Garoppolo, you couldn't win with the 49ers with the best defense in the league, the best offensive coordinator in the league, one of the best top three offensive lines, two Hall of Fame pass catchers, and they're only letting you throw the ball three times in a championship game. You're doing nothing in the Super Bowl. Right? Can you think, I know this isn't a question for you, Dad, with the minutia of the the memories, but I challenge the listeners, can any of you give me one good game from Jimmy Garoppolo? Can you think of one big game? Has he ever thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns where there were no screens as the touchdowns? No, he sucks. He's just super hot, and I get it. That matters. He can run the offense, and he's fine. But why would you pay for that? What is the point of that? Like, the guy literally never makes plays. He goes, and I know he's, he's, fun, like he's better than Mason Rudolph. Sure, whatever, he can run the offense. But what is that? That's a, the glass ceiling. We've seen it. He's had so many chances with the absolute most loaded teams where everything is handed to him on a silver platter and he still never does anything. So if the Steeler, he was my worst case scenario. For the Steelers in the offseason. I can't believe the hype around this guy, but I guess I can. And this is sort of why we have a podcast, is like for one reason. It's like this whole quarterback wins thing is so unbelievably overblown and frustrating. Like I get it. He's fine. Like he's not as bad as Nick Mullins. Like they always state his stats, like, well, Kyle Shanahan, you know, he's like eight and eight and twenty without Jimmy, and he's like thirty-three and six with him. I'm like, well, his quarterbacks were grocery store clerks. Like Nick Mullins, he's on his fourth team in two years. Like these guys actively suck very badly, right? That's not fair. It's like, what he'd probably have a similar record with Tyrod Taylor, another bad quarterback, right? So I just think it shocks me that people can't separate the wins thing. And they're just like, well, you kind of look at, there's something he does. Just like watch him play. Does he throw good touchdowns? No, then he's not good. So Jimmy, very attractive man. Good for him. Date's porn stars. Great. Fun story. But not a quarterback who I would ever want to pay any amount of money to. I just don't see the point in it. And not
2: an inexpensive quarterback at that at thirteen million dollars against the cap this year. So it seemed like a it seemed like a stretch to me. Somebody's just trying to write an article by the deadline. Can we talk about the cutdown for the Steelers? And there weren't any shocking moves made. But I thought there were three in particular, four in particular, were kind of interesting. The Davis brothers were both cut. I'm not sure I would have Damn expected, it. you know, that that kind of makes sense and never really distinguished themselves except for that last hit in the Lions game or the game before that. They'll be back. They'll be back. or They'll be at least one or two. One of them at least will be on the practice squad. Henry Mondo cut, you know, sort of a staple, it seems like, over the last couple of years. And I
1: always found it. Yeah, somebody picked huh? him up. Somebody picked him up already too. I didn't want to text you. I knew it would be too heartbreaking. That,
2: that hurts like as if we traded Dan Kreider because the Mondo, the alligator wrestler, <laughs> oh. who was one of the premier special teams guys, getting down the field with his three hundred fifteen pound body was always fascinating to me. Buddy Johnson was cut. Yeah, didn't work out. And which, what's, what's interesting, what? the, the the comparison that Mark Robinson not only was he he was the seventh seventh round choice. Nobody knew anything about him. There were, we could find no information on this guy. No tape. I mean, barely any tape on him. We weren't even sure about him, what his position was. And he ends up, if he wasn't the darling of camp, I mean, he was, he mm-hmm. was an interest. he's been an interesting story and, and a hopeful one.
1: Well, uh, McFarlane getting cut and then signing back to the practice squad, that's kind of the biggest shock for me that he would even want to come back to the practice squad. And I know people get frustrated by that. And But look, he's a frustrating player. Uh, he has... Kind of the most, besides Najee, he has by far the most talent of any of the running backs. And uh, I just, I'm glad that they signed him back to the practice squad. But, you know, sort of looking three years, four years in a player's career and he hasn't done anything is sort of a uh, pie in the sky to expect him to materialize. Even when you watch him on the field, you're like, damn, why can this guy not play? He's faster than ever. Yeah, he flashes brilliance. We've
2: seen that before. The other guy who you and I both agree uh, are happy made the team,
1: Steven Sims. Love that they kept seven receivers, huh? Because um Calvin Austin's gonna be on IR or at least short term IR. So that's crazy. Seven is is pretty amazing.
2: So those were the cuts they so the Steelers in their rearranging of deck chairs on the Titanic picked up two linebackers this week. Malik Reed acquired from, from Denver. Oh, yeah, that's and we got one. Jameer mm-hmm. Jones back.
1: Hell yeah. That, well, that is nice, have somebody who's been in the building, and Reed gives them some good depth at the third outside linebacker position, which was very concerning. So you got to feel good about that signing and that it's not a Melvin Ingram type who's just going to flee the coop five weeks into the season he might be around. So uh, very good that they covered that. And honestly, they did a good job with the roster. I had some back and forth on Twitter. We talked to our buddy Derek. We give Derek a, like a weekly shout-out on this podcast here. <laughs> But about their their roster construction and my whole theory with the offensive line of like, look, yeah, it's bad, um, but it's going to take more than one or two years to rebuild a team. Like, look, the Steelers had a top five offensive line a couple years ago. They lost every single one of them. They had a Hall of Fame quarterback and receiver. Lost them. Running back who was on a trajectory for the Hall of Fame. Lost him. Juju, Martavis, Pro Bowl backup, Pro Bowl number two receivers lost all of them. That is so much to lose. I'm sorry. It, you can't rebuild it in one year. Like, it's going to take a while. So that's been my point with the line. Is like, hey, as long as they focus on it heavily the next year, they'll be okay. Um, and Derek was making the point, like, I don't know, to really not prioritize it at all over three years is not really the strategy I would use. And I'm saying, well, that's very legit. But can you say that they didn't prioritize? I know it's not a first or second round pick. And we said it when they drafted Najee and Fryermuth. I said on this podcast, that was an arrogant draft not taking the line at all. Okay, that, that does suck. But they took Kendrick Green in the third round. They took Chukes in the third round. They've taken a couple third round guys. Both of those guys pretty much busts. You know, Chukes more play playable. So that sucks. They signed James Daniels in free agency. That's supposed to be a big guaranteed starter like lineman. We'll see how that plays out. It hasn't been good so far. Okay, that's putting a little resource in it. And then, you know, signing the center from uh signing Cole, center from Minnesota. To me, that is like they did make attempts to they didn't just ignore the offensive line for these few years, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now, if somebody wants to tell me, hey, that's not how you build a line off a of third-round picks, like oh, No, I, I agree, but look, the, the, the top two picks from the past two years, Najee Fryermuth, all right, Pro Bowl-type players. I get it with the running back. That one is that's hard to stomach sometimes, but it's Najee. What are you going to do? And then Pickett's and Pickens, Pickett and Pickens it's hard to argue with those guys. And now you can shift your focus. It just sucks that they weren't able to develop a single one of the quote unquote developmental prospects, which is what I consider third rounders to be because to me like sixth and seventh is like, Oh my gosh, it's
2: look, I think we've talked about this ad nauseum and the the truth is the draft is a lot like our fantasy draft, right? The 10 people in our league, everybody has superstars. It's a matter. But when you're trying to build a team you have, and and I'll agree with your point, you've really got to invest, um you know you know what veterans can do was uh mason cole and uh daniel's gonna change our trajectory i mean it was hoped that we would there would be a an improvement uh we'll, we'll see if That's they nice. do better than they did in the preseason
1: nice. but here's my point here's my point when you go when you go into next year and you have those supporting role players like we always use the terrell Edmonds comparison right you need just like a good starter never gonna make a pro bowl but just a good player If you do that and you draft a lineman in the first round next year or first and second round or draft a lineman in the first round, sign a big money free agent lineman in the second round or whatever in free agency. Okay, now you have some star one or two stars on the offensive line. And these other guys who are role players like Daniels are going to look much better because it's offensive line. You need multiple. And then you look around like. Oh, everybody signed up. We have a number one receiver signed for two more years. We have a number one receiver in the pipeline behind him. We have Claypool. We have have a quarterback on a rookie contract. Oh, Najee Harris has still got a couple years left of productivity. You sort of look around, and then it's like, well, what now? You have great players everywhere. So I I don't think that the – I can really give it a grade until after next draft season. And all you hope for this year is that you find some guys who can be those role players. Like you really hope Daniels and Cole uh, play well.
2: I'm not arguing with it. They, they, they're doing what, you know, they're building the way they think should be built. The question is, if everything goes according to what it looks like today, are they prioritizing offensive line, cornerback, or linebacker? We'll, you know, time will tell. 17 games will tell us. Um, I also wanted right. to mention that Le, John LaGlue and Joe Haig were cut. LaGlue stuck, sorry, to the, the practice squad. Haig nice. was picked up. And uh, we also picked up Jesse Davis, late of Miami. Interesting pick.
1: The LeGlue one's so weird. What is up with these guards, like Dotson and LaGlue, who, who flash so well, and then the Steelers cut them, or you know they don't play them? Uh, that one's just such a mystery to me. I thought that at the end of last year, it sort of seemed like, oh, this is going to be a starting guard, and he goes all the way down to being cut in practice squad. That's so weird to me, but I'm glad that he's at least on the practice squad. That was a, a relief. Yeah, thank you to Sports Drink for hosting the podcast. Sports Drink is the intersection of sports and not sports. You can check them out on all the socials at Sports Drink without the vowels at Sports Drink. And they have a lot of team-specific podcasts, not just for NFL, but also for college as well. So maybe you go uh, check out some of the pit content over there and uh, yeah, just sort of bask in the glory of 1 or 0. But uh, thank you to Sports Drink for hosting the podcast.
2: As usual during the podcast, I buried the lead. Chris Boswell got engaged this week.
1: I think the best comment uh, 300-something likes underneath of the wedding post of Chris Boswell was some dude saying, well, Boswell hits threes and tens because the lady's very attractive and they're both blonde, and so they're going to have some attractive little blonde athlete kids someday probably, and we say, hey, that's our kicker. For a quiet guy who never talks, demeanor never changes, he's like, well, he, he still likes the finer things in life as well. It's just kind of funny seeing the uh, boss look sort of like an ant in the picture, and this uh, basically supermodel uh, standing next to him. You say, "Hey, good for you guys." We're that happy. was a
2: good tweet. Uh, it didn't take me reading th- more than three comments before somebody pulled out the "women weak legs" comment, and let's let's hope that that doesn't happen in <laughs> Boss's case. So,
1: no <laughs> Cincinnati
2: Bengals this Sunday at one in Cincinnati. And uh, just a reminder, in two weeks, we'll be uh, hosting the New England Patriots. Again, mercifully, a one o'clock game on Sunday.
1: No, that's it. I'm so excited to see the Steelers play with this new look offense. And um, I think it's just the the most excited I've been for a Steelers game in a little while uh, now that they're kind of making their way through this transition. So I think it's going to be messy, but I think we'll have a little bit more fun watching the games than sort of the teeth pulling of the past few years, that will definitely still be part of it. It, It'll be unrealistic to think that that'll be completely gone because, you know, they're still building and they're figuring out this offensive disaster that they've been dealing with for the past few years. Um, So there will be building, but I, I do find it hard to believe that uh, we won't see great plays. And I guess what I'm trying to say there is there's some really good players, so there's going to be some exciting plays. Get
2: us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at
1: gmail.com. Thanks
2: for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
1: Okay, bye-bye.
0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles and bravely explore exciting places
2: with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.